one more match, Gary Lawler. You got it. Anything in the world that you can possibly dream of, I want one more match. One more match. What is it going to take? Look, McMahon, why don't you tell him that he has suffered enough humiliation. He's looked like a fool in front of his family. He's looked like a fool in these eyes of these idiots right here. You know what that is. I hear you say that I made a fool of myself in front of my whole family. What is it going to take you, love? What is it going to take? Come on, you stupid. Get in the ring right Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We're going back in the time machine to May of 1995 for Volume 2 of this month's show, looking at the WWF and the In Your House pay-per-view. Volume 1 is WCW and Slamboree, and Volume 3 is a special ECW. Not really special, it's just our, our ECW monthly show. I'll be joined first by Kira Mitchell. Hi, uh, Bob, how are you? I'm good. And Wayne Lithgow? Bob, you all right? I'm very well. Uh, Kira, kicks off with the news. The WWF ventured into monthly pay-per-views with the first In Your House show this month with an event that probably matched but didn't exceed the $15 price point. Bret Hart wrestled a stellar opener against Takushi before being defeated by Jerry Lawler later in the evening and Diesel defeated Psycho Sid by disqualification in the main event. So on the show, Razor Ramon defeated Jeff Jarrett and The Roadie. Yokozuna and Hart retained the tag team titles and Mabel defeated Adam Bomb in a mercifully brief match. The company held a talent meeting this month to better explain to wrestlers the current financial situation within the company, as well as a new, more stringent drug testing policy. The purpose of the meeting, in part, was to help remove some of the barriers between the talent and the office. While the company is seen in a tough tough shape financially, Vince McMahon largely lent on the future of the pay-per-view business as their calling card. While early estimates for your In Your House pay-per-view suggest the lowest revenues ever for them on a pay-per-view, the price point and quantity of these shows could still mean that they're a long-term success. A quiet month for the WWF otherwise, but some interesting stories here. Firstly, at the conclusion of one of the TV tapings, Diesel squashed it in a matter of seconds. While this match will not air, it was taped and was seen almost as insurance in the event that Sid ups and leaves, regardless of whether he has the title or not. Bob Backlund this month announced his intention to run for the presidency of the United States. In a promo on Raw where he reeled off a series of key dates that would be as significant as his announcement, 
Backland said that John F. Kennedy was assassinated on December 27, 1983. Of course, this isn't true. The significance of the 1983 date is that was when Hulk Hogan debuted. Diesel injured his elbow during the In Your Race main event, landing directly on it while taking a powerbomb from Sid. On Raw, they showed us footage of Diesel in surgery. And while he is scheduled to appear at the King of the Ring, it will be in a tag team match alongside Bam Bam Bigelow. Elsewhere, Razor Ramon won and lost the WWF Intercontinental Tags from Jeff Jarrett during the recent Canadian tour. And it's reported that Vince McMahon has been speaking to Dustin Rhodes, but McMahon wants to change his in-ring name and turn him heel. Royal Rumble. Tag team title match. I miscalculated. I lost the match. And then, did I make a mistake? And boy, did I make a big mistake. I shoved Lawrence Taylor. But you know, I realized Lawrence Taylor wasn't there to make fun of me. He was there to have a good time. And that's what the WWF and the new generation is all about. Having a good time. WrestleMania 11, you know, some people say, I got beat by a football player. I got beat by one of the greatest football players to ever play the game. And in my opinion, one of the best athletes I've ever met in my life. WrestleMania 11 match. Well... It wasn't such a good night for me. You've embarrassed me. You've embarrassed the corporation. I can't believe it. A football player. But I know LT. He had, he had a great night. He. Ooh. Monday Night Raw. My match with Big Daddy Cool Diesel. WWF title on the line. I felt great. I really wanted it. But I guess Diesel. He felt a little bit greater. He beat me, fair and square. But I'll tell you this. I respect Diesel as a champion. I respect Diesel as an athlete. And I really respect Diesel as a man. You know, a lot of people are wondering about Bam Bam Bigelow and his future. Well, let me tell you, my future in the WWF is going to burn Bigger and burn brighter than it's ever burned before. This is the new generation. This is the World Wrestling Federation. Hey, as far as the million dollar man and the million dollar corporation, tell you what, I'm going to make you a promise. With your support, I'm going to deal with each and every member of the million dollar corporation. We start our review of WWF television on the last day of April with WWF Action Zone. Bo Holly appeared to win the WWF Intercontinental title over Jeff Jarrett, although Jarrett had his foot on the ropes. Holly scarred with the championship and President Jack Tony later ruled that the title would be vacated for a rematch the following week on Action Zone. It seems like Holly's reign will not be recognised, but it is said that Jarrett was stripped of the title. On to Raw on May the 1st, Sid Vicious sacks Razor Ramon for their scheduled match, powerbombing him twice before Diesel stormed out and ran him off. In the final segment, Bret Hart is out at ringside with Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler. Lawler claims Hart is running from him by having a match with Hakushi in your house. Hart calls Lawler a liar, which gets a big crowd pop. He then says he will face Hakushi and Lawler in separate matches on the pay-per-view. WWF superstars on May the 5th see Joe Kazuna and Owen Hart retain their tag titles over the head shrinkers. Hunter Hearst Halsey and Bertha Faye also won squash matches on debut. 
Well, the eight opened with Jeff Jarrett defeating Dwight the Clown. We have a vignette errand of Skip and Sonny, the body donners, who seem to be two fitness trainers. All right, McMahon, you're two phase on straight. You can start now. Go ahead, calling Psycho Sid again. I dare you. All right, Ted DiBiase, what about it? You know, McMahon, there's been a great deal of speculation, a lot of talk, a lot of questions as to just how long Sid here has been under the influence of the Million Dollar Man. Shawn Michaels, I know you're out there. I know you're listening. I know you're licking your wounds. So I want to give you something to think about. Who was it, Shawn Michaels, who first suggested to you that you needed a bodyguard? Me. All right, I knew it. I knew it. Who was it, Shawn Michaels, who then suggested to you that that bodyguard be sick? Come on. Right again. Me. Oh, the million dollar man. He's so smart. Can you see, Shawn Michaels, the shortest distance between me and the World Wrestling Federation title was through Big Daddy Cool's little buddy. You. <laughs> And boy, did we go through you. (laughs) You see, McMahon, I told you and I told the entire world that Sid would be the crowning jewel of the new reorganized million-dollar corporation. And indeed, he is. Mm -hmm. He put you, Shawn Michaels, on the shelf. He put... He put... Razor the grease ball Ramon on the show. But this Sunday night, it's in your house. And you, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, it's in your house that we're coming. And we're taking over. You see, we're taking over your house. We're taking the World Wrestling Federation title. Because you see, Diesel, Sid can step into the ring and look you right in the eye. And he can stop a diesel in its tracks. And that's exactly what he's going to do. And I will finally have what I have been after from the very beginning, the World Wrestling Federation title. And it's just too bad. Don't you hear this? Don't you listen to that? Shut up, McMahon. Do listen, diesel. Because we're taking the World Wrestling Federation title from you. It's just too bad that you can't enter that contest and win the house they're giving away. Because after this match is over, you're going to be looking for a place to stay. Oh, I I take that back. There is a place that we've set aside for you to stay. It won't be that beautiful home they're giving away. It's going to be a rest home. He's the mastermind. He's he's the mastermind. All right, a comment. I'm going to give you, McMahon, a little history lesson today. Yeah. See, at one time, the greatest predator that roamed Africa was called Iwatamela. He was a lion. The greatest lion of ever of all time. In the World Wrestling Federation, 
In your house, we will start with the results. Kieran? The results for the In Your House, uh, Bret Hart defeated Hakushi. Razor Ramon defeated Jeff Jarrett and the Roadie. Mabel, along with Moe, defeated Adam Bomb. Owen Hart and Yokozuna, with James E. Cornette and Mr. Fuji in their corner, defeated the Smoking Guns, Billy and Bart Gunn. Jerry Lawler defeated Bret Hart. And in the main event, Diesel defeated Psycho Sid, with Ted DiBiase in his corner by disqualification. Wayne, what do you think of this show? Well, I mean, for, uh, for for what they're trying to put over in regards of it just being a uh, what a B side pay per view, um, it's got potential. Um, I, I wasn't overly impressed with the with the overall card of some really really terrible matches uh, in there, but uh, a couple of you know standout match at least. And uh, as I said, you know, if it's uh, helping later down the line, if it's going to help these mid carders. Uh, put on a show and have the focus away from from the main eventers, then uh, then yeah, I, I think it's the one that uh, you, you're probably going to get a lot of enjoyment out of. Kieran, um, I kind of liken it to a bit of like like a bit of a nosedive. It was all right on takeoff when it first starts out, and then just from there on in, it was just like downhill. The match quality wasn't great. Um, you know, some of the some of the booking, especially for like the Razor and the Diesel matches, was just so like one-sided and obvious, it was just, it was bad, um, but like I said, at the start it was really good, but it's just after that it just goes pretty much downhill for me. Yeah, I think if if you spent $15 on this show with that main event, I think you just about got your money's worth. Um, stellar opening match, um, the handicap match was was pretty good as well, second from, second from the opener, um, and the show gradually went downhill, and Diesel and Sid, I would say, would have had low expectations going in, and it probably undercut those. Um, but yeah, it, like, I think if you bought this show, you, I think you came away maybe not delighted, but I, I think for given the price point and given the card, I think it was fine. Um, no better or worse. Anyway, uh, we start the show with a very well produced video package previewing things. Uh, Doc Hendricks has the call with Vincent Mann, and we start with Bret Hart against Hakushi. Brett starts his first of two matches for this evening. Hakushi comes out with his manager Shinja and we see the very neat In Your House stage, the front facade of which is a house very similar to the one they're giving away tonight, complete with a video wall. Brett cuts a promo from seemingly the other side of the set and gets quite a big reaction as his music plays. The match starts with a lot of rest holds and counter holds from both. Brett gets a near fall. Brett rallies and Hakushi goes to the floor to regroup. Hakushi drives Brett into the turnbuckle, does a splash and gets a near fall. We cut to a picture-in-picture picture with Jerry Lawler watching the match on a monitor backstage. Brett gets thrown to the outside, then Shinja attacks him while the referee's back is turned. Shinja later distracts the referee himself, allowing Hakushi to choke him, and then the reverse. 
Brett briefly rallies, which wakes up the crowd. He goes for a backbreaker, but Hakushi slips out and does a backbreaker of his own. Hakushi then hits a lovely diving headbutt from the top rope, but Brett kicks out. Hakushi goes for an apron springboard splash, but Brett rolls out of the way and the crowd comes back with him. Brett does an elbow drop from the turnbuckle and sets up for the sharpshooter, but Shinji comes to the apron. Brett sees him off, hits an atomic drop, then hits Shinji with a clothesline that sends Hakushi, uh, hits Hakushi, sorry, with a clothesline that sends him through 270 degrees. Shinji gets involved again, and Brett does a suicide dive and beats him up on the outside. Hakushi takes advantage of the distraction, but can only get a two count. Brett goes for a suplex and sends Hakushi and himself clean over the top rope to the outside. Shinja holds on to Brett's foot as he goes for a return to the ring. Hakushi takes advantage of the distraction and does a springboard Asai moonsault from the apron. Back in the ring, Hakushi goes for a German suplex. Brett counters into a victory roll and picks up the three count. We get a significant amount of pyro for the victory. After the match, Brett jumps out of the ring and appears to injure his knee. Although, for what it's worth, I think Doc Hendricks was very, very quick onto this fact. Kieran, what do you think of this? This, oh, this was, this was good. This, I'm not seeing a lot of Hakushi, and I didn't really know, expect, expect to see what Star thought he was going to be a lot slower than he was. I probably should have known better with the experience I've got with watching, but this, this match had everything. It had a great story to it, it had a great ebb and flow to it. When you had Hakushi working the arm, he's got that, he's got some really good, like, uh, mat wrestling stuff. He's got the, the springboard, you know, the back elbow into when the guy's in the corner. Overall, I just really, really thoroughly enjoyed this match. It was just an absolute... I thought from this point on, if this pay-per-view sort of keeps up with this sort of level of work, I thought this is this is going to be such great value, this pay-per-view, for people that have bought it. Why? Yeah, um, got not slow to start off with, but, you know, I thought there was quite a few mistakes uh, by by both of them, but, um, you know, about... Four or five minutes in, you know, I thought that you could really tell that they were going to mesh well together. Um, you know, told a great story, um, all around with, uh, you know, Brett being, uh, beaten down, trying to come back. And, uh, every time he was coming back, either Akushi was beating him down more or, or Shinji was, uh, was getting involved. Um, but I thought this match really, um, you know, made Akushi shine out. Um, uh, all together, you know, talking about Akushi, I think he's got a fantastic look. You know, he stands out from the crowd with with, with the way that he, uh, uh, with the way that he looks, his, his wrestling style. Um, he definitely lives up to the, um, you know, his, his name of the modern day Kamikaze because some of them moves near the end were uh, were just mental. Um, but um, the, the one criticism that I've got in it all is, um, well, apart from obviously the few mistakes at the, uh, the start, was I, I thought it was a, a, a cheap, easy win for Brett. I, you know, I, I, I thought he could win better than that, but with a quick roll-up, I just thought it didn't do him any any favours, really. Yeah, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I, I, yeah, it, it's a fair point, although I don't think it's a a massively significant one that the no, match I'm, it's I'm, a... I'm, I'm, I'm probably being too picky with it in all fairness because it was a good match but I, I just thought for, for what Brett's done over the course of a number of years I, I, you know to, to come off on a, on a cheap easy win after being beaten down he, you know he, he's better than that yeah perhaps I mean maybe it's a sign that they've got bigger plans for Hakushi and they didn't want to beat him out of sight uh, which I guess is fair enough uh, no th- this match was very very good um whether Hakushi should be a heel, 
Um, I don't quite know, although we're going to discuss later in the show whether the company's already got far too many baby faces. Um, and, and the Japanese heel angle is something that certainly has been done to death already, and it's not a difficult thing to do. Uh, the match itself was technically excellent. Um, the inclusion of Shinja, um, it probably didn't help the fact we had what was effectively a handicap match here and then a genuine handicap match next up. Um, but the inclusion of Shinja really helped because every time Brett looked like he was going to get on top, uh, Shinja kind of, well, unleveled the playing field and allowed Hakushi to get back into it. Uh, a couple of moments in this match, Hakushi reminded briefly, uh, reminded me briefly of Sabu, which I think was more of an interesting note rather than anything else, certainly with the, um, the SRI moonsault from, uh, from the apron. Um, but yeah, very good match, technically excellent, uh, easily the best thing on the show. Uh, well, the, the second match wasn't too bad, I shouldn't, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, but yeah, a, a, a very good opening match that I think did, did a lot for both guys, particularly Bret Hart, I mean, we'll, we'll discuss this later, but Bret's not had a particularly significant 1995 so far, um, certainly once you take out, um, once you take out the Royal Rumble, so I think it was important to him just almost kind of get, get one on the board almost. Um, which he certainly did. Um, and yeah, a very good match. And we uh, we cut to Stephanie Wine, who's on the stage. She shows us footage of a truck delivering the house competition entries to the set. Uh, she says somewhat implausibly that there have been 340,000 entries for this competition. I guess they are giving away a house, so it, it could be true. Anyway, we move on. Uh, it's Jeff Jarrett on the roadie versus Razor Ramon. Uh, the 123 Kid joins us on the phone during Jarrett's entrance. He was originally scheduled to be in this match where he injured his neck. Uh, Razor does a promo backstage and says that while this is the first advertised handicap match, it's been two on one against Jarrett and the roadie the entire time. Razor starts in the ring with Jarrett and deals with him pretty quickly. Jarrett regroups with the roadie. Jarrett manages to use the numbers game to take the advantage. He hits Razor with an enziguri, then does his strut. He then sends the roadie for his first in-ring action for the WWF. Razor does a trio of quick elbows and then does a jig of his own. Razor rallies, but Jarrett jumps in the ring for a brief but significant two-on-one advantage. Razor hits a reverse atomic drop, then sets um, for Razor's edge near the ropes, but Jarrett backflips him over the top. With the referee distracted, Rody jumps to the top and hits a clothesline to the outside. With Razor back in the ring, Jarrett hits a crossbody block from the top. Razor rolls through but can't get a three count. Jarrett hits a neck breaker. Razor hits a back suplex, even the odds, and both hit the deck. Jarrett tags Rody, and the Rody drops a knee from the top for a near fall. Rody locks in a sleeper. Razor rallies and drives Rody's head into the mat. Jarrett gets back in, but Razor rallies again. Razor gets Rody on the second rope and hits a back suplex. He takes his eyes off Jarrett, who takes control and goes for a figure four. Razor kicks Jarrett into Rody, hits a tie Razor's edge, and gets the pin for a big crowd reaction. Razor sets up for a Razor's edge of his own, but Jarrett takes out and is keen. The heels regain their heat. Jarrett locks in a figure four. Without the one, two, three kid, out comes Aldo Montour. He runs in but gets immediately tossed out. Then someone runs out and lays into the heels, running him off. Eventually the police come out and escort the guy from the ring. This guy, as we will, we'll find out, is Savio Vega, aka Quang. Uh, Wayne, what do you think of all this? For, for what it was, handicap, yeah, it, you know, it, it did a job really, but, Already I was going into the match knowing Razor's already strong. Um, you know, he's, he's probably the top mid-carder um, in, in the WWF. He's going in there against Double J and, and Rode. 
I just couldn't see anything else but a razor win. A razor beat down all the way, and then at the end, a razor win. It was just, it was just too predictable for me. Kira. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I sort of knew what the booking I was going to see of the match. Um, I thought there was, if, if anything, there was a nice little showcase for the roadie to show some of what he can do. Um, if I was to take some positives out of it, but overall, I agree with Wayne. It's sort of like you knew what you were going to get. He's that, like Wayne said, he's the top, he's the top mid carder. Um, it's going to be like you took your usual beat down with like a superhuman comeback. Um, introducing, introducing a new guy, a new wrestler is always good. Um, you know, that gets eyes on Savio Vega and, you know, with the way the match finished, you know, hopefully they'll go on to do like a tag match and we might get something better later on. Yeah, I, I thought given what this was, while it was probably predictable, I thought the action was fine. Um, yeah, it, it was a good match from a technical standpoint. They, you know, all three of them are, are good enough in that regard. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess it's the logical kind of thing to do in that Razor as the baby face gets the pin um, and then... Um, basically it sets up, you know, ultimately Razor facing Jarrett for the title. Um, so I guess that makes sense. It was fine. It, 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 to be honest, like, it, this, this could have been the second match on what, what would have ended up being a far better show had what followed have been better. Um, Wayne, what do you think of the post-match angle? <laughs> well, as much as uh, I was going into it with the match being predictable, Aldo Montoya wasn't predictable. <laughs> I was not expecting that for one second. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't quite get the relationship between him and Razor. I don't, you know, I never really had them down as, uh, you know, uh, as, uh, they're, they're baby faces. I think that's the logic. Right. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, 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 it did nothing for him because he got the beat down of his lifetime, and then uh, it was obviously more to, uh, to 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 build up Savio Vega, which it did. You know, he come in, he was looking strong, got escorted off. It's, um, you know, as, as Kieran mentioned before, it's, it's got eyes on him now, which is probably what they was looking to do. Yeah, far, far more interested in Savio Vega than I was ever in Quang, uh, for what that's worth. Uh, but yeah, it was fine. Um, it, it was a, an effective way. Um, you know, it, it made sense given that, you know, the, the, the heels had to lose but needed a quick way of regaining their heat, which they got. Um, you know, they ran off the lower car baby face and then we got the guy who presumably was in the one, two, three kid spot probably got injured. Um, but yeah, it, it, it sets them up going forward and it was an intriguing match. Um, anyway, we cut backstage and Jerry Lawler is now pleading his case with Jack Tunney that his match with Brett should be next. Uh, Brett is obviously still at this point selling his knee injury, well, in theory. Um, we move on to Mabel versus Adam Bomb in a King of the Ring qualifier. Adam Bomb gets a nice mushroom cloud pyro, which is probably the best thing about this match. Uh, Mo gets in Adam Bomb's face, Bomb punches him, and Mabel gets some offense in before the bell. Adam Bomb shoulder tackles Mabel to the outside, and has a crossbody uh, on the outside, then hits a slingshot shoulder tackle to Mabel back in the ring. Mabel regains the advantage with a falling back kick. Bomb goes for a crossbody, but Mabel catches him and plants him on the mat. Mabel wins. Kieran? Cool, Bennett. This, it was a match, Bob. There was a, it only said about there 90 was, seconds. I, I think that's... A, it's still a match, Bob. There was a bell at the beginning and a bell at the end. There you go. It was, uh, it was, it was Squash City. It was, it was just, it was just a squash match. It was nothing, there was nothing really to it. Um, Mabel looked terribly, 
I know he's like nearly seven foot and like half a ton or whatever he is. But even then, it just everything's so slow. There was one particular bit where he sort of knew we were going to get where I think Adam Bomb come off the ropes and he hit him from behind. And it sort of took Mabel like maybe a week to react to the move and then he dived out of the ring and it was just, it was just bad. It was just, a, you know, just a squash match. Fine. Uh, I went to the toilet and missed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it was, it, it was terrible. Um, I wouldn't even say that it even put Mabel over as a, a you know, considering that there was many of a squash in Adam Bomb. Um, just to uh, carry on what Kieran said, though, there was, there was one part that made me laugh where he's, he's just so slow and, and, and predictable. Uh, Mabel was, uh, Adam Bomb was in the uh, in the corner, and I think he was meant to do uh, a, a spinning kick on him, and all he did was just fall, fall and legs up in the air, Adam Bomb. That was the move. I, I call it. A, I call it a falling back kick. I didn't. I didn't want to call it a spinning back kick because I thought. I actually was said spinning heel kick. I'm sure I did. <laughs> that, um. That's that's a very generous classification for that move. I didn't hate this match. It was very quick. It was about as good as Mabel versus Adam Bomb is ever going to be. Um, that, which is saying very little. But yeah, it was like it. It was brief and it wasn't awful. Uh, it was pretty close. Um, but it wasn't awful. Uh, and Mabel advances to the quarterfinals of the King of the Ring. Anyway. Just, uh, wait, sorry, Bob. Just to go back. Sorry. I, I want to make a point on, on Adam Bomb. I'm, you know, I, I, I feel sorry for Adam Bomb because he's, you know, turned into uh, a, a face a while ago. And he's actually, you know, garnered some, uh, you know, he, 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 a lot of sensitivity from the crowd, you know, the, the, the behind him. Um, you know, I think he's a, he's a, you know, I won't say he's a fan favourite, but, you know, he's, he's definitely over with the crowd. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that they'd do more with him, but this just goes to show to me that they're not at all. Yeah, I mean, Adam Bomb is a guy who I think for a guy this size has got a very good body shape, uh, very athletic. From what I've seen of him, and admittedly that's largely only in squash matches, I think he's quite a good worker. Um, but he's saddled with a horrendous gimmick. He's saddled with a pun. That's basically it. His his name is a pun. It's Atom Bomb. That's the game. That's the gag. That's all it is. Nice um, yeah, nice goggles. You're right about that. And he, he does now do these things where they basically they've got these like American foot like faux American footballs that they've shaped into nuclear bombs. And Ooh. now he's a baby face and raw. He throws them into the crowd. He wants to kill everyone with his gimmick. Really. Essentially, yes. He he throws mini foam atom bombs <laughs> into the crowd, and fans are meant to go nuts and catch them. But yeah, I mean, it's not great, but it's his gimmick, and I get the sense that Vince McMahon came up with that idea and thought it was hilarious. And I get the sense that there is no chance that Adam Bomb will drop that gimmick while he's in the company unless something dramatic happens. But yeah, like I think losing to Mabel in a King of the Ring qualifier is a pretty good sign that your career isn't going very far. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we move on. Razor reintroduces us to Savio Vega. Not really much was said. It was a, a standard promo for what you'd expect. And we get the Smoking Guns versus Yokozuna and Owen Hart. Jerry Lawler comes out, presenting his case for his match being next. We cut backstage to see Bret Hart icing his knee. Yokozuna locks up against Billy Gunn. Gunn hits a, drop, a couple of drop kicks for tagging Bart. Bart then press slams Owen and hits a drop kick. Yokozuna then hits a clothesline on Billy before hitting him with multiple brights and locking in a nerve hold. 
On the outside, Yokozuna takes a run at Billy, but Billy ducks and Yokozuna hits the ring post. Owen goes for a drop kick in the corner, but Billy ducks and the guns gain control. The guns hits a lovely double team move, with Bart setting up uh, for a back suplex on Owen, but Billy then runs around and hits a neck breaker. Bart ends up on the outside, Yokozuna drops the leg, Yokozuna throws back in the ring, and Owen picks up the pin and the second match in a row, or second show in a row, sorry, uh, where Yokozuna does the damage, and Owen, in, in I think, quite a cool way, and just picking up the pin without doing anything. Uh, Kieran, what do you think of this? Um, I always love watching Owen, Owen Hart, just the way he carries himself, the way he effort, effortlessly gets heat on himself. And like you said, the best bit is, is he literally does nothing and just picks up the pin. But the match itself, just there's just nothing really there. The gun, you know, the smoking guns aren't really allowed to get any offence in per se. Um, and Yoko, as quite rightly, the you know, the booking should go is like the X factor. And then Owen's sort of there to mop everything up. It was OK, but it's just nothing, nothing special again. Why? Same sentiment from me. It wasn't wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either. It was just your your, your typical tag team match. But um, I, I really do like the partnership of uh, of Yoko Zuna and uh, and Owen. Um, like I said, obviously Owen doing his uh, uh, his cocky heel tactics and you know taking all the credit for uh, for somebody else's work. You know you've got to love that about him. But uh, I, I think they you know I think they go well together. Um, you know and obviously Yoko Zuna needs a partner because you know I think his singles career is over with as well. And uh, you know who better to to put him with than uh, than someone like Owen. Yeah, I don't think they quite did it on this show, but I think they, they should have every show where Yokozuna lays out the guy who Owen then ends up pinning. And Owen should shape to do the sharpshooter and then just not bother. Uh, I think that would be really funny. Um, but, but, but yeah, the, the match... The match wasn't long enough. That was the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you look at the fact that Adam Bowman and Mabel took up a good kind of three or four minutes, admittedly not very long. Um, but this match was about five and a half minutes. And had it have been ten... I had it have eaten up the time that it had been taken up with a previous match. I don't think it would have been that bad. Yeah, but all yeah, you know, Owen Hart does the bulk of the work. Yokozuna has these little short spurts, and the guns can go. It would have been a fine match. As it was, it was just okay. I mean, my my review of that match sounds a bit kind of disjointed, but it was there were just so many quite quick tags that it was difficult without making the match match report about four times as long. Um, but yeah, it, it was fine. I, I like the dynamic of the building. Like Yokozuna and Owen Hart probably two guys that well maybe Yokozuna's side prohibits this but Owen is a guy that should be higher up the card um, but it's not a bad pairing if they decided that that neither man is um, is going to be in much of a position uh, to basically wrestle on his own towards the main event uh, anyway uh, Tom Bettengill is backstage with a quote unquote pensive Diesel Diesel talks solemnly, solemnly about losing his mother last Christmas given that it's Mother's Day Diesel said that he is 100% regardless of what's happened with Sid we get back to ringside and Jerry Law is in the ring and introduces the world to his mother. A woman, a good <laughs> 20 years his junior? I, I don't think that would be unfair to say. Uh, the lady in question wants a chance to challenge Brett's mother after Lawler beats Brett. Uh, Doc Hendricks on commentary says she's sure aged well. Uh, Wayne, what, what are you, this was a weird, weird bit of this show. Very weird. Very weird indeed. Um, if that is the age of his mother, <laughs> no wonder Jerry Lawler is getting accused of what he gets accused of. Uh, good point. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Well, no, uh, no, um, uh, no, I'm not quite sure that works. Uh, anyway, I won't dwell on that, I won't dwell on that joke, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Um, it, just, just weird. Just, just a weird thing to have Jerry Lawler come out with a woman who's clearly not his mother and claim that it's his mother. It didn't, it didn't generate heel heat with me, it just generated, what the hell is this? Kieran. <laughs> I just, I just bizarre, absolutely bizarre. I mean, I was like, is there, is there something that we're missing? Is there like, I was like, I was saying to someone who was watching it with me, I said, is there something I've missed here? Did I leave for a second? Did I, did I like pass out or black out or something? Because I just, I just don't understand that at all. It's the most, one of the most weird things I've ever seen in my life. With like. No follow through or explanation as to why he's saying that's his mother. It's just, here's me mum and she's like, could way as well be me daughter. Bizarre. Yeah. All it, all it made me realise is how much I miss him on commentary. And that's all I thought throughout the night with the backstage, uh, segments with him is how much I missed him on commentary. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of Doc Hendricks and all honesty, but, uh, it's just, Lawler just, you know, made, made me realise, you know, <laughs> he belongs there. Yeah, I mean, Doc Hendricks is a, is, is a budget Bobby Heaton. Um, you know, I think Dave Meltzer said it best when, you know, Hendricks said nothing of note, either positively or negatively. Really, you know, I mean, I did read one line there, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like he, he was, he was fine. He didn't stand out in a bad way. He didn't stand out in an Art Donovan way, but equally, he didn't have the, I know, mean, I've, I've heard him on Superstars enough. Um, yeah, I mean, if we're talking about announcing teams. It's not like Vince is a great number one either. Not I think he- Doc Hendricks is kind of not um, not color stuff, but his kind of analysis when they they focus the cameras focused in on the on the commentary area and they're discussing things. I think he's quite effective there. Um, but yeah, as an announcer, he was entirely forgettable, and that's not a massive negative. I'm the kind of person that will overlook announcing unless it's amazing or unless it's terrible. But I get the sense that if you asked a thousand people to, to know what they thought of this show, I don't get the sense more than maybe 30 of them would have made mention of his name. Um, which is, you know, by the by. And Bret Hart is in Gorilla with Todd Pettengill. After all of that, Bret says his leg is 100%. The leg injury was a fake. Bret walks out and mimics limping. Lawler all of a sudden has lost a lot of his bravado. Bret lays into him as the match begins. Hart hits a back body drop. He then bounces Lawler off the ropes, but Lawler hits a pile driver. Brett rallies and hits a pile driver of his own. Lawler hits a body slam, then goes to the top rope, but Brett punches him on the way down. Brett attacks Lawler, but Shinja appears on the apron. Brett bounces off the ropes, but the referee falls to the ropes and gets his foot, tra- gets his foot trapped. Brett hits a Russian leg sweep, drops a fist from the turnbuckle, but no ref out there. Out comes Hakushi and hits two diving headbutts. The ref comes back into the ring. Lawler pins Hart for the win. Post Brett manages a clean house as Lawler retreats with his mother. Wayne, what do you think? Well, he got his revenge for SummerSlam '93. Yeah, I was thinking that. This this is a very very slow burn of all this. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying that. In fact, I mean, how long has this feud been going? Uh, well, I mean, well, it hasn't really been going that long. It, it, it's a reprisal of a feud that never properly ended. There's, there's about a, there's a good 18 month hole in the middle from uh, Summer, uh, no, Survivor, no. It, it, it was SummerSlam where these two had their match where Brett hits 
Brett locks in the sharpshooter for all that time. Survivor Series, Brett ends up going up against Shawn Michaels because, uh, in the four-all, because Lawler can't appear because of legal stuff. Um, and yeah, by the time Lawler came back, Brett had moved on, he was chasing the championship. And so this feud kind of disappeared. Um, but we never really got an ending to it. And, and by the looks of the ending's going to be next month, uh, and you'll hear kind of in the TV report why. Um, but yes, no, go on, Wayne, carry on. Yeah, sorry. Um, so, uh, I mean, they, they didn't really get started all that much. It's, uh, just Laura playing the, uh, you know, the, the heel tactics well, running away and everything like that. And, uh, before you know it, Hakush is involved, which is, uh, you know, m- making me think that we're, you know, we're going to get a, you know, a, a Brett Hakushi food off the back of it, which, you know, I'm not going to really complain about. Um, I've not really got any thoughts on the match in general. It's just served a purpose of bringing Akushi in and, and making Lola look cheap whilst getting the win at the end. Yeah, I mean, the Brett Hakushi thing is... Uh, it's difficult to say. I couldn't really tell you which one Brett was dealing with more in the sense that Lawler's been saying Brett's been being racist about Japanese people and Hakushi has been the brunt of that, apparently. Um, and so it, it's kind of like Lawler and they're both feuding with him, I, I guess, to a point. Kieran, what do you think? Um, it was really a nothing match. I did make one one note. I, I can't remember if it was that significant, though, but Brett just completely no-sells Jerry Lawler's pile driver, which I thought was a... a in the context of the match, I suppose, if it was sort of like a bit of a... You know, a bit of a sort of a messy match with sort of run-ins and all this sort of thing. Maybe it fits in with that, but he completely no sells the pile drive, just pops straight back up. Um, and then the only other thing is obviously I'm really, really, I'm praying and hoping that it's the, it's Bret Hart Hakushi that's going to take us forward and away from this Lawler stuff. Well, as, as we'll find out, I think in the short term, you might have to pray very, very hard because I think we're getting, uh, we're getting Brett and Lawler next month. Um, but yeah, the, the match was fine. It was short. It, w- it would have been a lot to expect Brett to have done that opener and then come back out and had a, had another long match here. Uh, and clearly that wasn't the goal. Um, the, the goal was to do enough of a match where it wasn't a complete write off, but get Lawler heat for, for winning the match, which he got. Um, uh, and yeah, it will kind of play into to what we discussed coming coming out of all this. But we we move on, and Sid cuts the brow backstage, and he says the time has run out on Diesel's title reign. Anyway, before the main event, we get Todd Pettengill and Stephanie Wyan because we've got a house to give away. Uh, Pettengill grabs two rakes from the garage to uh, from the garage on the set, sorry, to mix up the entries, which they kind of put into this massive vash on the stage. Uh, Pettengill. Dials the line, but can't get through the first time. The man on the other end of the line eventually thinks it's a joke, but they do end up giving away a house to an 11-year-old, of all things. Um, why, what do you think of this? I don't know who's more annoying, Todd or Stephanie. <laughs> that's a good question. Um, that's, that's a better question, yeah. I, I, I would say Stephanie on the basis that I, I think you end up liking Pettengill. I, I think you end up feeling that Stephanie Wine is just really annoying. And, and and count your lucky stars, you don't watch superstars every week, because Stephanie Wine gets very over-enthusiastic about, like, really mundane house show main events. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was fine. Uh, Kieran? Yeah, I, I, Todd, Todd had better hair. There you go. That's true. That's a good point. Um, but well, yeah, There do has to be a, a steward's inquiry, though, because as soon as they pulled out the winner, Doc Hendridge knew him. 
No, he didn't. No, that was a joke. That that, that was a Bobby Heenan type joke. Well, was... if, if, if I was an entrant in that, I would be writing him. Well, the, the, the winner was 11 years old. I mean, I don't get the sense Doc Hendrick knew who he was. Um, but no, that was a Doc Hendricks joke that, because the house has a golf course on the back of it. I don't know whether it's part of the land or not. I, I would doubt it. Um, but there is a golf course adjacent to, uh, the edge of the, the, the lot. Um, and so yeah, Doc Hendricks' gag was, I'm going to go and play golf with him tomorrow because he's my mate, obviously because Hendricks wants to get in with the guy who won the house. The fact that the kid's 11 years old probably doesn't work with the joke. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it was a very, very strange thing to do. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the house giveaway got them a load of press I missed. Um, but it, given that $150,000, which is what the house was worth, uh, if they're selling pay-per-views at $15 a pop, that's, uh, 10,000 pay-per-view buyers that cost them, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically, they spent 10,000 buys on this, and I guess maybe you could say, well, if they, they earned them back, um, then it might be worth it. But yeah, it, 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 a bit with, a bit like with the Adam Bomb thing, it does feel like they spent a lot of money giving away a house just because the show's called In Your House. Um, whether it works or not, I don't know. The early, early, uh, pay-per-view Barrett's, uh, estimates on this aren't great. Um, but anyway, we move on to the main event. It's Diesel against Sid for the WWF Championship. Two square off, and Diesel shelves Sid to the ground before hitting a running elbow in the corner. Sid regroups with DBRC on the outside, but Diesel continues the onslaught. Sid gets control on the outside and drives Diesel's back into the ring post before doing a running kick to Diesel's head while on his knees. Diesel rallies back in the ring, but Sid nails him with a clothesline, then poses on the second rope. Sid then locks in the camel clutch. After breaking it and reapplying it, Diesel eventually rallies out and the crowd goes with him. Sid then hits a choke slam. Sid then hits a very nice looking powerbomb, but waits far too long, posing. The eventual cover sees Diesel kick out. Probably a beat or two too quickly, even so. Sid then charges Diesel in the corner. Diesel drops him on the turnbuckle, then hits a big boot and an equally as impressive powerbomb. He goes for the quick cover, but out comes the tanker for the disqualification. Bam Bam runs out the end and runs off the heels to the crowd's appreciation. Kira? Um, it was alright. It was a bit, it was just a bit slow. I didn't think Sid did an awful lot. Um, just kind of plodding through. It's kind of, but then again, I was going into it, I was, you know, I'm looking forward to expecting to see, you know, explosive action because it's two big guys going together. But then we get the, we get the camel clutch of eternity. It was long. On. It was long. It was just went on and it went on and on and on and that cat it and he never like cinches the camel clutch in. He sort of just like goes for like a you know, a horsey ride, you know, on Diesel's back for a bit. That's um, one way of, one way of describing it. <laughs> That's the best I could come up with. Um it, it was okay. Um Nothing, nothing really much to say. I, I agree with that, Bob. They're, they're both really, really good at the power bombs. I do really like both power bombs. And like I said, I wanted sort of moves and action in the match similar to the power bombs. You know, they they finish with a power bomb. Let's have most of the match be sort of explosive and hard hitting, not you know submission rest hold type thing. Yeah, 
it, it is worth clarifying that um, that they didn't really dwell. In fact, I don't think they even I don't think it even crops up during the show. But this is the this is the move that Diesel takes that ends up injuring his elbow. Um, but again, that was only really something the reference on Raw afterwards. It's not something you'd have picked up yeah. watching it live. Um, why? What do you think? I just thought it was a slow, boring match. Um, you know, you got two big guys. You know, as we'll probably say things about uh, Diesel later on with, with being first, but you know, you've got the two two big guys here, and who's going to come off as the? You know, you can't really see Diesel coming off as as the underdog or anything like that. Um, so just go at it, you know, just both of them, you know, just hard hitting against each other. Um, you know, throw some punches, some big moves. Didn't really, didn't really see it. I mean, I, I know the camel uh, the camel clutch went on for, for far too long, but. I understand why he, why he was doing that move because I, I believe Diesel uh, injured his back or he said did something to his back on on Superstars in, in the previous weeks or something. So he's probably going back to uh, back to that injury to to, to do it more. Um, but the match as a whole, as I said, I just thought it was slow. It was boring. Um, it's you know probably Vinnie Max wet dream. Uh, but uh, you know uh, apart from apart from that, I wasn't you know I wasn't overly impressed. But I, I, just to go on, Sid. He's got one of the one of the best uh, entrance musics uh, 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 that you know of all time, in my opinion. And I think it just suits him down to a T. It just sounds as psychotic as what he looks. Like I said that, that I think that I agree with you, Wayne. I think the thing with Sid is he's got he's got everything. I, I I've, I've said before. I would say he's got everything. Well, I was gonna say, there's a caveat to that. Is I think he's I think he's really good on the mic when he wants to be the. And on a previous show, we, we talked about a, a promo he did on Raw, and that was really good. And some of his promos are really like, I think he's got a really good look. The music fits. It's just when he gets in the ring, Bob, that's when it all sort of falls apart for me. Yeah, I mean, as, as I kind of said at the start, if you bought this show for this main event, you can't have been expecting a classic. And, and, and not that they delivered that. Um in terms of Diesel Sid match, I think it could have been better. Uh, I think it probably could have been a bit longer if they'd have had, but that it, there I think given that the, what they eventually did, I don't think it ran long. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the positives of this match were, there, there were two very nice looking power bombs. I mean, they're, they're both of the size where you might think that, that doing a power bomb of that size, uh, to, to a guy of that size would be quite difficult, but they both passed that test mm-hmm. very nicely. Um, there's a couple of interesting things, and this will this will transition into what we'll discuss the other side of the TV report, um, which is obviously first of all for the second pay per view in a row, uh, Diesel's opponent has a very good claim to say he'd beaten him. Uh, now, okay, it, it, in the heel Sid's case, it was his own arrogance rather than Sean, where it was a case of the referee was distracted on the outside. Um, but that was interesting, and then uh, we've got. Why we've got the thing with the disqualification at the end, and I wasn't expecting it in the sense that I just figured Diesel would have won. Yeah, um, just yeah, you, you, you try and put him over. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I don't. Yeah, it's. Uh, I said if you're going to do it, do it similar to the you know the Razor sort of finish where Diesel gets the win, get him over with the fans, then have the Big, big down or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll discuss, as I say, we'll, get, we'll have a big discussion on Diesel later on about how he's been booked and all that, and, and this will certainly play into it. Um, but that will end the review of In Your House. Uh, Kieran, your overall brief thoughts and a score rating out of 10? Um, 
like I said, it started off absolutely fantastic, Bob. Um, there's the Hakushi Bret Hart match is the absolute highlight um, of the entire thing. Um, there's little bits here and there, some of the other matches that was okay, but overall it was a really, really average show, and I'll give it a four out of ten. Wayne. Yes, it's same sentiment really. You know, started off really well, showed great potential, but uh, you know, it just went downhill after after that. But you know, I really do think that the the pay per view as a whole has got potential. You know, you, you've got an opportunity there to to showcase some um, you know some some mid carders and you know some underutilized talent. Um, so I'm although. This one probably didn't sell sell that great or, or, or sell itself that well. I think you know the the, the concept of this pay per view has uh, you know has got some legs. Score rating? Um, probably go for a four myself. Okay, uh, Kieran, uh, kind of the, the question that Wayne opened up there. I'll, I'll give my own thoughts in a second. Uh, uh, the in your house format as a whole, how did you? Was this a success in that sense? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, definitely got some potential because, like Wayne says, what you can do is you can bring, you can bring guys that you can't sort of put on front and center on, say, a WrestleMania or a Royal Rumble, whatever. But you can give them like, you can get more eyes on them and give them more prominent, you know, more prominent spots than they would say on like a TV taping on like a Raw. So in that respect, it's got it has got a lot of potential, but it's all down to how they structure the show. I.e., don't spend ten minutes, fifteen minutes giving away a bloody house every time. Well, that's you true. Know, give 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 Adam Bomb and Mabel, give them five to seven minutes, and have Mo interfere. Oh, th- be careful what you wish for. <laughs> give the tag team much longer. Go yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, all right. All right. All right. Yeah, give the tag team that song, but don't make me watch that stupid woman and slick, slick haired Pettingill giving away a house every time. But seriously though, it's got, it has got real potential. Yeah, um, I mean, it's worth firstly just putting this into context in the sense that, um, after this show went off the air, they had about another, a good kind of half an hour's worth of matches on the end of this that, that included, I think, The Undertaker. The Bulldog might have been involved as well. So yeah, I mean, the, the, there were a lot of guys that didn't appear on this show. Bulldog, Luger, Undertaker, um, Shawn Michaels, although he was kind of written off storyline-wise. Bam Bam Bigelow appeared at the end, but didn't wrestle. So yeah, you're, you're right in the sense that, I, I think Wayne has, makes a very good point in that, had had Hakushi been around last year on a five-show system, I don't know whether Hakushi would have been given the opportunity to go out there for 15 minutes and, and have a really good match. So that opens the doors. As for this show, I think if you pay fifteen uh, $15 sorry, for the show, um, I don't think you can really have any complaints. Uh, maybe with the with the false finish in the main event, or the, or the uh, DQ finish in the main event, uh, that was a bit of a downer, but you, you got a really good match. I thought you got a good um, uh, handicap match with Razor and uh, Jarrett and the Roadie. Uh, I thought that the stuff with Lawler was all right, a bit weird with, with Lawler's mother, um, but that was a nice storyline. I thought Brett kind of coming out, like having pulled the ruse on Lawler, I thought that was a really clever bit of storytelling. Like Brett, Brett kind of laughing as he limps down the aisle and Lawler's face just like, all look at the life just drained from Lawler's face when he realizes he's been duped. Uh, and I gave this show a 6 out of 10. For weeks now, you've been talking about some big, big announcement. What is it? 
You know, it's going to um, have a deleterious effect on a lot of you people out there. My announcement is going to hurt your feelings. Some of you people are going to be very jovial by what I say. But in the Hartford Civic Center on April 2nd of 1995, I saw a scintillation. It was a minute ray at that time and throughout the match with your hitman. It grew and it was ionized over the whole roof of the Hartford Civic Center. You got that, ladies and gentlemen? All right, Mr. Backlund, for the benefit of the rest of us who are on this planet, hey, if you don't mind, what is it? Why did you come here? What is the big announcement? You know, there's a lot of things that have happened in my life that have been wonderful. They've been great. And there's a lot of things that happen in the whole world that have mesmerized all of you people. Like in 1776, D.C., when the Olympics started. Like in 323 D.C., when Alexander the Great died. Or like in July 4th of 1776, when the United States declared their independence. Or like in 1912, when the Titanic sank. Mr. Backlund, please. We're like on December 22nd of 1983 when John F. Kennedy was shot in Dallas, Texas. All right, Mr. Backlund, again. We're like in July of 1969 when Armstrong got foot on the moon. You know how serious that is. Those are historical moments indeed, Mr. Backen. I would suspect that uh, you're about to give us another one, aren't you? I like when Mr. Backlund won the WWF title on February 20th of 1978. And then he came back from adversity, which you know nothing about, on November 23rd, 1994. He raised again. And tonight, I want to... I, I want to... Pardon me. Get a hold of yourself. Pop Backlund having a... Apparently a little choked up over this announcement. Must be really big. Backlund, your shirt tail is showing. I'm under my... I'm under complete control, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very cognizant of everything that's going on. And you're not... Pardon me again. Mr. Backlund can't get it out, apparently. This is obviously an emotional moment for Bob Backlund. Mr. Backlund, please, we're running out of time. Please. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, I'm contemplating running for the presidency of the United States. Wow. 
Raw on May 15th after In Your House sees Bob Holly win a King of the Ring qualifier against Mantor. Bob Backlund announces that he's contemplating running for the US presidency before a marching band and pyro went off. In the main event, Bam Bam Bigelow announces Diesel will be in his corner against IRS. Diesel gets a big pop and Bam Bam wins the match. On the WWF Superstars on May 20th, Razor Ramon defeated Jacob Blue to qualify for the King of the Ring. On Raw on May 22nd, Bret Hart confronts Jerry Lawler on commentary. He said Lawler embarrassed him in your house and that he's been trying to work out how he lost to him. Bret said he wanted one more match. Bret then swears at Lawler before getting right in his face and calling him scum. He's eventually led away by WWF officials. A Bob Backlund video airs previewing his presidential run. Backlund says he wants every American to have a job so that they can afford a dictionary. 11-year-old Matt Pompicelli gets shown around the house he won it in your house, including a surprise appearance from the Bushwhackers. In the main event of the show, Shawn Michaels makes his return as a babyface and defeats King Kong Bundy in a King of the Ring qualifying match. During the match, we cut backstage and see Diesel and Bam Bam watching on the screen. After the match, they both come out to ringside. Diesel offers a handshake to Shawn. Shawn rejects, but instead wants a Diesel high-five. Diesel obliges and the pair hug. On the 27th of May edition of WWF Superstars, Carver defeated Duke the Dumpster Druzy to qualify for the King of the Ring. We also get an extensive in-ring promo with Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow, who are now best of friends it seems. They cut a promo ahead of their tag team match at King of the Ring, where they will face Psycho Sid and Tatanka. After another Body Dominus vignette airs, we see the debut of Techno Team 2000, which includes Eric Watts. We open Raw on the 29th with a shot of Diesel with ice on his elbow. He's had a very legitimate elbow surgery, and it's probably a good indicator as to why he's in a tag match at King of the Ring. Subsequent footage shows a clip of Diesel taking the powerbomb by Sid in your house, and he lands directly on the right elbow while taking the move. Jerry Lawler, meanwhile, refuses to be drawn on Bret Hart's challenge. Vince calls him a coward. In one of the more sadistic scenes you'll like to see on Raw, Hakushi and Shinja come out with a bag and unveil a mock-up of Bret Hart's severed head, complete with sunglasses. Alondra Blaze also returns to television, seeming having been through much more significant plastic surgery than we first imagined. In the main event, Undertaker faced Jeff Jarrett in the King of the Ring qualifying match. At one stage, Paul Bearer gets so annoyed at the roadie's interference that he whips off his suit jacket and goes chasing after the roadie. Undertaker and Jeff Jarrett had a very good TV match. Taker puts Jarrett away with two choke slams and a tombstone. Raw concludes for May with another Bob Backlund presidential address. And I still can't get over, you know, I hate, I just despise, I hate people that have excuses all the time. And I hate to have excuses, because i got to ask myself, how in the hell did I lose to you? What do you mean? You worthless little scum. Hey, hey, hey. How did I lose to you? I have to ask myself today whether or not I am a failure on account of you. It was bad enough that I lost my championship belt. I've gone through enough stuff that I don't need a little parasite maggot like you, Jerry Lawler, coming out here and saying that you're better than me. But man, get rid of him right now. Get him out of here. You will never, ever be better than me and the fact that you cheat so well. You know, Jerry Lawler, I hate excuses. 
and I have to ask myself how it is that I can look at my mother who I asked with my whole damn family to watch me kick your lousy stinking butt and you know what? I let everybody down, didn't I? You got beat! So you got me, Jerry Lowe, you got me right where you want me. You've humiliated me. You've trashed me. You've embarrassed me like I've never, ever in my whole life been embarrassed. And I just want to ask you one thing. One simple thing. What is it going to take for me to get your lousy, stinking butt back in that ring one more time so I can destroy you once and for all? What about it? Jerry Lawler, you got it. Anything in the world that you can possibly dream of, I want one more match. One more match. What is it going to take? Look, McMahon, why don't you tell him that he has suffered enough humiliation. He's looked like a fool in front of his family. He's looked like a fool in these eyes of these idiots right here. You don't want that again. Family. I hear you say that I made a fool of myself in front of my whole family. What is it going to take you, love? What is it going to take? Right. Come on, you son. Get in the ring right from the TV review just a just some discussion points and uh, and a few other things uh, we will start with the uh, with the Bret Hart stuff that that followed on TV to to fill in briefly essentially Bret Hart came out and I think it was well it it would have been covered in the TV review uh, but essentially Bret Hart came out and cut a promo uh, on Jerry Lawler and basically said I'm embarrassed that you beat me uh, what is it going to take for you to get in the ring with me again? Uh, Lawler just stands his ground, so Brett gets more and more violent. He swears at him. I don't know exactly what he said, but that's kind of a an indication of where things are going. And even at the end of the, I think, the final show of the month, we kind of go off the air with Lawler. I don't see Lawler will accept the challenge. This is wrestling after all, but Lawler's still not entirely being drawn as we finish the, finish the month. Um, and there's also this... Well, I said quite extraordinary. I would call it an extraordinary moment, although it wasn't kind of having read back through the the torch and the observer, who like both kind of either glossed over it or didn't really pay much attention to it. Perhaps I am overstaying it a bit. Uh, but this amazing moment on Raw, I think on the 29th, um, where Hakushi comes out for a match with Shinji, it's just a squash match, and he's carrying a bag, 
and they pull open this like drawstring style bag and Hakushi pulls out this severed model of Bret Hart's head and it was quite convincing I mean obviously it had the shades on so it covered up the fact that it didn't look exactly like Bret but the hair was very similar it had a Bret Hart style shades and Kieran we have a shot that apparently is fine of Hakushi with a decapitated Bret Hart head this I mean, talk about coming out of left field. This, it just doesn't go in line with anything that you'll have seen before or anything within the storyline that would lead you to believe that all of a sudden Akush is going to pull out a severed bloody head. I, it generally shocked me seeing that. That it, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to leave me like sort of wanting for words, especially where wrestling is concerned, because you think you, you think you've seen most things. Um, but I just, I was sort of amazed, bewildered, and I thought it was really great at this, all at the same time. I don't know about great. Kieran, did you see the segment with, with Lawler and Hart? I did. I, I really, I loved seeing that side of Brett. When, and like I said, when we get into like the, uh, the sort of like, maybe like a roster discussion, it's something I'll bring up again. Um, but one problem I've sort of always had with Brett is his promos. Now his promos, as you well know, we all know, they're sort of like very sort of straight-laced or formulaic. I actually really enjoyed him getting in his face, and on the the other side of that, Lawler really sold it quite well. He was sort of like, he was sort of like, sort of brushing away, telling McMahon to sort of get him out of my face, you know, sort of being really sort of just flippant about it. And then the more and more that Brett got more and more aggressive, and like you said, swore at one point, then sort of Lawler sold it as more out of fear as well, that he was actually scared of Brett, and then to add to that, people are pulling Brett off him, and I I, I really like that segment. Yeah, I thought it was very effective as well, very strong segment, um, it certainly stood out. I think the one, I, I don't, I'd say be, to say to be careful would be the wrong way of expressing it. Um, because they, they've told, they've told this story well enough in that there is a very significant justification for Brett being as angry as he is at Lawler. But what they've got to be careful of, and I think we said this on, on the, uh, on the SummerSlam 93 show as well, where Brett had that sharpshooter locked in for so long, is that they've got to keep reminding us of why Brett's so hang- angry at Lawler. Because I'm watching it and I'm having to kind of correct myself and say, well, Brett's coming in across as like a real villain here. But given what Lawler has said to him in the past, it makes sense because, you know, he, he's ran about his mum and his dad and all that. Um, but I think they've got, if, if they're going to go this far, and great, it's a really nice way of fleshing out Brett's character in this story. I think they've got to be mindful of, we've got to keep reminding this audience of exactly why Brett is so angry at Lawler, mm-hmm. just so Brett doesn't come across as a heel. Um, but a very effective segment. Kira, uh, sorry, Wayne, where were you at with the severed head thing? Yeah, I've said, I, I, I was completely shocked by it. I mean, it's just nothing that you've uh, that you've seen before, and I, I don't know how they've how they've got away with it. In all honesty, because in the uh, you know in the, in the, in the family uh, environment, which it is, you know, there's you know you you you've got people like Adam Bomb, for example, who were throwing at, 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 you know former Adam Bombs into the crowd. You know, people like Don McLaren and or previous Don McLaren and everything like that. Um, so yeah, it is a family um, orientated uh, wrestling show, and uh, and then to have have someone pull 
uh, a decapitated head out of a bag is 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 quite frightening. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it put a lot of parents off, um, making or letting the kids watch uh, watch this show. You, you know what I thought about it? I, I, uh, as much as I was taken aback by it, and as much as I would, you know, perhaps might say, well, you know what, fair play if it was a really strong shot. I don't think it was a really strong shot. I don't think it was an amazingly strong visual in that it was so wacky and out of place. It was too jarring, I think, to really have any effect. Wayne, did, did, was that something you saw? Um, no, I mean, as as I said, it, was, uh, it didn't come across like that from from me. It was just uh, I was just more in awe and and in shock than anything else that they that they pull something like that. Huh. I don't know. That's, I think they've. Overall, they've done a, a very good job with, with Brett. You know, obviously, and we're going we're to steer into some discussion in a minute about Dees and all of that. And they've got to they've got to keep Brett hot whilst him not having not having him in the main event. Uh, I think they've done an effective job with that. Uh, anyway, we'll move on to our our final discussion point of the month. Well, it's kind of two things really. We're going to be just we're going to be doing our kind of state of the WF roster address. But I, I want to really start with Diesel as our number one guy and probably have a, a disproportionately long chat about Diesel that will probably envelop the other guys we're going to discuss as well. Um but Kieran, I think there is a very significant mandate, even though I get the sense it might be a long way from Vincent Matt's mind. I think there's a very significant mandate for Diesel turning heel on the basis that when you look at the face heel roster, it is so stacked to the face side that for Diesel to be successful long term, they're either going to have to turn about three or four people heel and create some new opponents for him, or they're going to have to turn him heel, and I wonder whether that's easier, Kieran. It's it's so much it's so much easier than trying to is to me he's sort of already he's sort of already there that his whole persona and the whole character the way he the way he carries himself where he's sort of like a bit um you know sort of a bit aloof and sort of doesn't really pander to the fans as much as say like a Bret Hart or in the past people like a Hulk Hogan would have done to me he he lends it already without actually turning them the character itself already lends itself to heel tendencies and it's a lot, lot easier, especially with, like you said, how stacked it is at the minute, the roster, in terms of faces to heels ratio. It's a lot easier just to turn Diesel heel. Um, you know, they're not really doing a lot to get him over anyway in the matches. I mean, we already said sort of like that finish, that finish in the pay-per-view, in the union interview. I mean, they're not putting him over by having him pin everyone. Um, so it would be just a lot easier if they just turned Diesel heel and then sort of and then go have that as your jumping off point, if you like, and then sort of take all these other guys that are at the top of the roster and then sort of, you know, start booking it from that jumping off point of Diesel turning heel. Why? Yeah, um, second moment, I think it was Royal Rumble 94 when you had Diesel, who was just an absolute monster, um, just throwing everybody out, killing everybody, and and that's what he is. He's you know he's he's a big monster, and uh, you know that that suits uh, you know heel roll more than uh, more than anything else. But going back, that that probably that Royal Rumble was probably the uh, the turning of him really because that probably got him over. Um, after that, he was he was starting to get more and more over with the uh, with the crowd, and then he got turned face, and you know Vince McMahon probably thought. This guy's going to be the next big thing. I'll uh, I'll put the strap on him. 
but he's probably not. He's, he's obviously not thought of the uh, uh, of the bigger plans with it. Who's, who's going to go up against him? Who's he going to be facing? And it's just not worked out. Whereas you put him back to the heel role, and you can still keep him champion. You know, I, I, I don't see nothing wrong with there being a, a long-standing heel champion and, and building a you know big face up that way. Um, but he's, he's got a lot more to, to go at. Not only that as well, but it gives someone like Razor Ramon the chance to to be pushed up the card, which I think is long overdue. Whether that's a heel or a face, um, you know. So uh, I'm, 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 I share the uh, you know the same sentiment in, in, in turning him heel. He, he suits that role far better than uh, than the baby facing uh, baby face role that he plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of what they've done with him so far, we, we look at his 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 major matches on pay per view. Um, and one thing I think we, we, we would have spoken about um, with, the, with the WrestleMania show and probably with Brett is that it's difficult to believe Diesel regards his size as the babyface in peril, as the underdog, in the sense that he's just so tall um, that at best we're talking about a height parity and at worst talking about him kind of standing over his opponents. Um, and so, and it's very difficult to believe him going through a long main event type match and taking a brunt of the offense because he, as his physique and his stature should mean he's leading most matches. Um, that plus the fact, I mean, he, I think Bam Bam introduced him at one point this month and he did get a superstar reaction. That should be said. Um, but it's just the fact that you look at the balance of this roster and we will come into some of these other names in a minute and there's not many heels left. You, you, you look at you look at the major heels. You're talking about Sid. You're talking about Jeff Jarrett. You're talking about Bundy, and you're talking about dare I say even Mabel's a guy who's maybe even fourth in that list. That um, there are some guys that should be in there. Bob Backlund shouldn't have been pushed to the side as much as he has been. I wrote about this on the website this month actually. Um, Yokozuna is a guy who, if he's fit enough, and that's a different question, should be in and around that spot. Owen Hart, it's a it's a very, very big issue with Owen Hart that Owen Hart is not in this kind of mix. But you look at that heel side and you're like, there's not many money matches there. Now, maybe they bring in Shane Douglas and make him the guy. I don't think they will. To a point, I don't think they should. Um, I, I think if you're going to bring in Shane Douglas, I would, would work it out over the course of a year. And then, uh, and plus, like, there is also the point that Douglas' size difference to Diesel makes doesn't make that match great with, with Diesel's the face. Um, but I look at all the guys on the face side, and we're going to come to them all in a minute. Sean, Brett, Undertaker, Bam Bam Bigelow, Razor Ramon, all these other names, and you're thinking, God, there's some good matches with Diesel there. Yeah. And, and, and at the moment, it's probably not going to happen. Um, but I think his run so far has been okay. I think they've undercut him a lot, given that in the matches he's had, he hasn't won any of them clean. I don't know what they want to... Um, the one against Sean was clean, but it did involve Sean having a very legitimate case of having won the match. And it kind of comes back to what I said about Luger before on this show, if you want to go back to back to the previous episodes, in the sense that if you want to talk about the next Hogan, Hogan didn't get over like this. Hogan got over winning his matches. It's not to say he wasn't a babyface in peril, but when it came to it, Hogan won the matches. And Diesel faced Bret Hart at the Royal Rumble, double DQ. Faced Sean at WrestleMania, beat him, but it was a tainted finish given that Sean had a very legitimate case of winning the match. And this one here, this one that should have ended in a clean finish and didn't. And that's not great. Um, but let's look through some of his potential opponents. Um, 
Kieran, I think the other point to say about why you, if you agree that you have to move somebody across to the heel side, I think one of the things that stands out in favour of moving Diesel across is that in Shawn Michaels and Bam Bam Bigelow, we've got two guys that have just turned. Uh, we'll start with Sean Kieran. Um, as a babyface, I, I think it was inevitable that he was well sorry as a heel i think given where he was and given where the crowd was with him it's inevitable he got baby face um but there is the worry that if diesel stays where he is sean is going to be a guy that can't ascend to the main event level and you feel like he's thereabouts yeah i when i'm talking about the face on what i always i I just try and picture where they're going to go with it is who i'd like to see sort of like chasing the belt. So if we're going to turn Diesel heel, and like I said, he should, I totally agree with Wayne, he should totally keep the belt. I would love to see either Sean or Bam Bam, we'll talk about Sean, I would love to see Sean chasing that belt. But I said, is it going to be, it's going to be tough to get Sean, it's not going to be tough to get him there, but it's going to be a big ask to then get him to go over on Diesel. I personally, I think. Yeah, I mean, there is a difference between giving Sean the belt and putting him in a position where he could main event say at SummerSlam. Um, not to say he'd win. And I agree with Wade. I didn't really address this point, but Kieran, I think you're right as well. In that, I think uh, it's not to say to turn Diesel heel for the sake of him dropping the belt in three months' time. It's to turn Diesel heel because there's about a year's worth of opponents for him. Yeah. Um, Wade, Sean. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quite excited to, uh, to, to see his run as a, as a face, actually. Like you said, you know, it was, it was inevitable it was going to happen as, uh, you know, you can't, uh, you can't be over with a crowd whilst being, uh, being a heel. So, uh, you know, th- th- that had to happen. And, uh, you know, again, agree, agreeing with Kieran, you know, I think he'd be perfect in, in that role just to, uh, you know, chase the title. Is he ready for it? You could probably argue for and against, Borderline. but, uh, you know, I, I, I'd probably said that, you know, for this particular time at the moment, if you keep him Diesel as champion, I think he'd be the perfect foil to, uh, to, to go after that belt. And you know what? I think Sean's a babyface and Diesel a heel would have a far better match than, than Diesel's a babyface and Sean as a heel that's turning like they did last month. The, the, the mechanics of the match would make yeah. so much more sense if Diesel was just beating the crap out of him and, and Sean was the smaller guy rallying. I, I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, go, on, go, on, Kieran. Let's let's move on to, to to Bam Bam. I know you mentioned him as well. Another guy who's just turned uh, babyface. Um, this for me is probably the big disappointment in the sense that I think, given what Bam Bam did at WrestleMania, and I know he didn't draw tremendously well, and that's something that perhaps had counted against him. Although I think the I think that that probably lies more on Lawrence Taylor than it does on Bam Bam. But I think his performances over the last four or five months warrant a main event push. But as a babyface, that's not going to happen while Diesel's there. I think you just alluded to basically what my big point was. Did do you think, Bob, that they've just pulled the trigger too soon? Do you think that that's what? Because that's actually my thinking is that they saw how WrestleMania went, um, and with no foresight or anything, they they thought, oh, well, what we're going to do with Bam Bam now, boys? What we're going to do? What we're going to do? And somebody just went, well, let's try him as a face, not really thinking it through because he is so much better as a heel. He's yeah, just, I mean, go on, sorry, go on, go on. No, no, it's all right. It's, it's just to me personally because I'm a, I'm a huge Bam Bam fan, like I am a Vader fan. And they just work so much better as a heel. Again, with the size thing, when you get a Bam Bam against a, a smaller guy, 
it's like the mechanics again come into it. He just lends himself, and his look um, and the way he cuts promos just lends himself to that heel thing. And I just, just wonder, Bob, did do you, or do you or Wayne think that they just pulled the trigger too soon on him? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a horrendously jarring face turn in that, you know, they, given that, Bam Bam was flanked by the rest of the million dollar stable. It wasn't a massive thing. It wasn't a massively difficult thing to just push Bam Bam in that direction and let the storyline write itself to the point where Bam Bam comes across the baby face. Um, but yeah, Kieran, I completely agree. I, I think that they should have just wrote the storyline slightly differently. And of course, Bam Bam's going to lose against Lawrence Taylor. But there was a way of doing it where Batman could have retained his heat and, and could have been a potentially could have been the lead heel coming out of WrestleMania, yeah. and that that would have been um, the, the 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 big kind of play. Wayne or Batman? Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand why they've done it because you know, look, they've they, they put Sid into that role of the the focal point of uh, of the main heel of the um, you know the the, the corporate the million dollar corporation. Um, but uh, again, you know, I, I don't understand why they've why they've done it. They've, if you have a look at all these, um, you know, big monstrous heels that that are out there, um, you know, the, the likes of Yokozuna, they've just turned King Mabel, um, King Kong Bundy uh, as another example. These are all slow moving. Nothing gets you excited about it. You could you could push him as a as a, as a heel. He's you know he's he's definitely got some athleticism about him and. Um, you know, he's, he's not a bad worker. He's, he's, a, he's a great worker. You know, I'm, I'm like, like Kieran. I'm, I'm a massive fan of Bam Bam, and uh, I, you know, I, I, just, I just think you know he probably would be probably like Diesel in all honesty, better suited in a uh, in a heel role. Yeah, I mean, I, I, personally, I think Vader's better, but I think Bam Bam can be in a very similar mould. Um, but yeah, it's it, it comes back to the thing. Uh, you know, the idea of Vader being a babyface is horrendous, and it wouldn't surprise me if Vader goes his entire career without ever being one. And I kind of feel like the same for Bam Bam. I mean, a guy this size that can do all that. I mean, I know he can do a moonsault, but so can Vader, and it's not like Vader struggles getting heel heat. Um, yeah, just just for me, a big mistake. I mean, it, it's worked well this month with Bam Bam and Diesel, and the thing where Diesel and Shaw made up, and Bam Bam was the third guy in the ring, and obviously they've got the the uh, the tag match at King of the Ring as well. Um, but yeah, it does feel like a waste in the sense that it does feel like. Bam Bam as a lead heel, that could be a, a, a SummerSlam main event, and that would be a match that could be quite good, Diesel against Bam Bam. Um, and, and yes, um, we, we may get that, if, if they turn Diesel heel, I guess. Um, let's move on to Undertaker. Let, let's, let's pick some we, we've not mentioned this month. Uh, Wayne, Undertaker, I, I don't think you've seen this, but Undertaker wrestled a very good match with Jeff Jarrett, of all people, on Raw. I think it was the final show of the month. That was a very good TV match and one of the best matches Undertaker has had, uh, I think, in this entire run we've had. Um, he's a guy who, while they continue putting him with big guys like Bundy, like RS, like Yokozuna, is going to struggle. But while that entrance and while that character stays strong, Kieran, you, uh, sorry, Wayne, you feel like he's got a chance. Well, if that, if that's all he's, if that's all they're doing for him, then has he really got a chance? I, I think he's floundering at the minute. He's, uh, you know, as, as much as he's, uh, he's being put against these, uh, all, all these guys, you know, your Bundys, uh, your Undertakers, uh, every, every, you know, other big guys like that, and he's, you know, he's, he's picking up the wins. Um, but he's not really doing anything per se. He's not, he's not getting 
pushed massively. He's just getting put in these big matches against big people and, and picking up wins. I think they could do a little bit more uh, with him, maybe tweaking his character a little bit. Um, but um, again, is, is he? In, we're probably going to be a heel-focused WWF in this sense. But again, is he not another guy that we could possibly turn heel? And I know he's obviously, you know, he's a heel quite a few years back. But is he not another guy that could uh, could possibly get get turned again, and it would probably work better for him? Yeah, no, I think you might be right in that the character you would figure would lend itself quite well to being a heel. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. It's, it, it really, with him, I think it just depends on the opponent. People have written that Undertaker is quite a good worker. We've not really got the chance to see that yet. Um, and yeah, it, it is just kind of feud to feud. I think if they can find the right opponent for him and write the right story, he might come into play. But at the moment, it's just not working. Kieran? Yeah, I do. I said I kind of agree with Wayne, kind of don't. I think he is floundering in a sense, but I, th- I think it's more that they've sort of come up with this really cool concept of sort of like this Undertaker guy, you know, with Paul Bearer, he's, you know, the whole entrance and that. And then I don't think they're really quite sure what they, what they, who they need to, A, who they need to put him with, and B, what kind of feud he needs to be in. Or maybe C, in light of what you know, in the context of discussion we're having, where do they even think he's a face or a heel? He's sort of kind of, the way he comes across, sort of lends itself to a heel, but then he's sort of being booked as a face. So I kind of get the impression they're not quite sure, or they are sure, and they're just waiting for the right time. Uh, let's move on to Bret Hart, the, the fifth of, uh, of the baby faces at the moment in this discussion. Uh, Kieran, we have discussed Bret a lot this show. Um, but, but where do you think he's at in terms of if Diesel is going to stay a baby face? I think turning Bret of all the guys I've mentioned will be a, a pretty bad idea. Um, but in terms of where, how do you think his character is going now that he has to stay strong but can't be in the main event? Yeah, I mean, Brett is like you go. Brett is like the one is the guy you can rely on to put on a good match. Um, he's. I, I really. I'll go back to that roar again. That is what more I want to see brought into Brett's character. You know, if he can bring that sort of side in, where he's the more aggressive, take you know, put him on more aggressive promos, getting in people's faces instead of being that sort of cookie cutter um, guy giving like just your standard formulate Brett Hart promos. That could really get him up another level, and maybe if they do eventually turn Diesel, then Brett is going to be in a really good spot. He's really he's going to be over the crowd regardless. And I think if they just just tweak it so he's just on that just on that edge, Bob, of where he's sort of like maybe like a loose cannon, Brett Hart. I, you, know, you know what I mean? Where it's sort of he's sort of a loose cannon outside the ring, and then you get him in the ring, and he's clinical, and he's the excellence of execution. Um, but I think he's just going to be, he's always going to have a good match. It's just it, what happens above him is, you know, is going to feed into whether they can then bring him up himself. Wait. Yeah, the, um, the, I'd probably show your uh, thoughts that if they did turn him here, I think that would be, uh, would be a disaster and, and, you know, a really, really bad move. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll forget about that one. But, Whilst Diesel is is in this first role as as the main star with with the title, um, I, I'd probably go as far as saying you know I'd I'd like Brett to to do 
what he's what he's doing, and that's putting these these other um, or, or making these other guys look uh, you know look, look like stars. You know, you had your uh, you know the, the match with Akusha. Is Akusha main event level? Probably not. But is he upper echelon of of, uh, of mid card? Yeah. And I think whilst Diesel is, is the title with the focus in the main event, I think Brett would be perfect in in that role of uh, of, of working those kind of matches um, and and having the matches that everybody wants to see. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're both right in the sense that they they've got the opportunity to do a few things with Brett. I wouldn't do, I wouldn't turn him heel, but I think in terms of let's try and make Brett a guy who can draw without the title. In terms of let's mm. let's almost cover for Diesel in the sense that you know Diesel is is a work in progress as a main eventer. Let's use the guy we know who is at that level and put him in a spot where. He can be effective in without the championship. Um, and also, you know, if, if we're going to have these, you know, shows every month, it's going to be useful having Brett on these cars just to lift them up a level or two, given that they're going to be giving him an opportunity to wrestle. Uh, the final name on, on, on this list is, is the only heel, uh, Wayne. It's, it's a psycho Sid. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'd be interested where this discussion goes. Well, uh... Obviously, as I said before, you know he he's got the mannerisms to 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 obviously take him um, you know really far as a character, um, especially in in the role that he's playing as uh, well. He is he, by the looks of it, he is the top heel in in that company. Um, so um, you know you know he's he's got the look for it. Um, it's just his 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 in ring ability just doesn't play up for it. Um, when when like we did the comparisons with. With Bam Bam before, you know, you've got the chance that, uh, I don't want to cover Bam Bam too much, but doing it as a comparison that way, you know, Bam Bam would be the, would be the better, uh, would be the better heel than, than Sid for, for obviously the in-ring style, uh, etc. But I can't, I can't knock Sid for, uh, for, um, for his look and you probably need, um, people like Shawn Michaels, etc. for, for him to, uh, to be going up against. Kieran? Yeah, um, I think the, the psycho Sid, for me, it speaks to, it's all about who he's going to be put with, because like I said, he's got everything up to a certain point. We, we, he's got the, the entrance, the music, the look. I think he's, to the most part, he's really good on promos. Just like Wayne said, it's when he gets in that ring bob, that's when it all sort of just falls away for me. So again, it's about who they put him with. If he's going to remain, like I said, they can't Take any more heels away. So to me, he's going to remain heel for the for the, for the foreseeable future. It's all about who they put him with. Now, what I would ideally, what I'd like to see is they sort of they do the Diesel turn, they turn him heel. You would have Diesel and Psycho, and then you would bring up Brett. You would have Brett and Psycho, or Brett and Diesel and Sean Diesel, or Sean and Psycho, and have it have it go that way because I think. It's all about who Psycho's going to be put with, who's he going to work with, and who's going to be able to make him look good. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you, Kieran. Yeah, in the sense that I think the Sid character is effective, but I think as we saw with Diesel, it can get really bad if he's not with the mm. with the right kind of opponent. Um, let's do it. Let's do a couple of kind of vote things at the end. Then, um, Wayne, if it was you, would you turn Diesel within the next say three months? Yes, I'd, I'd do it within a day. Kieran? Yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Definitely. 
That's interesting. I, I, I think I would slow burn it a bit more. Um, but yeah, I would, I would turn him with a view of maybe not having him heal for the SummerSlam main event, but maybe that's where you do the big angle. Um, that, that turns him heel. I don't know quite how that works. Maybe you put him in the ring with Sean and maybe Diesel just attacks him so violently that it puts a lot of sympathy on Sean. That would be what I would line up and then I think you would open up so many opportunities, uh, even though it would be a lot to turn him, him back heel. Um, if we perhaps presume that that's unlikely, uh, Kieran, who are your two or three names that you're either bumping up the card or turning to uh to face Diesel and and maybe I'll give you one of Sean and Bam Bam that you can retrospectively keep heel in that discussion as well. Yeah, I mean I definitely keep um, Bam Bam as a heel, um, and I'd go. With, I think I'd have to go with Undertaker as well, just to give Undertaker that little bit of a push to see what he can actually do if you give him something a bit more and elevate him just that that a tad bit more because I think. Character-wise, he's there. I think if you had sort of the, the psycho Bam Bam Undertaker on the heel side, I think that would be really effective. Wayne, same question? Yeah, um, again, um, definitely keep Bam Bam as, uh, as a heel. Um, but to touch on what I mentioned before, um, Razor. He's, he's, he's there in, in the mid card and he's, he's screaming out to, for me, to say that he, you know, he, he deserves his chance at the, at the main event level and, uh, why not just turn him heel and, uh, and take it from there? Yeah, Mike, I, I, I will go three for three on Bam Bam. I, I wouldn't have turned him face. I think he would have been much more effective as a heel. Uh, I, I will agree with Razor Ramon. He's a guy I'd turn and I'd shunt him up the, up the order in the sense that even if Razor's not in the main event, him against Sean is a match I'd like to see again. We may not get a ladder match, admittedly, um, although I think they'll do that at some point. Um, I think him against Brett would be a very interesting match. Him against Undertaker could be something fun as well. One would be kind of bringing Owen Hart back into this main event scene. I don't think that um, he has fully shown us yet what he can do. I remember saying at the end of last year, the thing with Owen Hart is he's had a really good feud with his brother, but can he translate that into a feud with someone else? I would give him the opportunity to do that. Um, and the other name I'd throw out there would be uh, Shane Douglas. Um, not necessarily as a guy who I would bring in and think let's stick him straight on top, but a guy let's bring him in and maybe put him with Bret Hart um, and see what he can do. I think Douglas and, and, and Hart could be a, a riot of a feud if, if they let them go. Um, in that Douglas is good enough that he could foil off Brett and have a very good match, and he's a certainly a good enough talker that I think he could talk people into the building. Um, so yeah, my, my quartet will be Bam Bam Razor, Owen, and, and Shane Douglas, and that will end this month's show. I'd like to thank Kieran Mitchell. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me again. Uh, Kieran, you're on Twitter. I am at Jotun Thrash 666. I know I need to change it. Yes. Uh, do you want to spell that out for us and then when people go searching for it they can find out the account's moves because yes. you change it? <laughs> it's J-O-T-U-N-T-H-R-A-S-H 666. And Wayne Lithgow. It's the ever so boring... Uh, well, in fact, you're not even introducing me on Twitter though. So first of all, thank you very much. Yes, I just said, and Wayne Lithgow, you went, it's the ever so boring. I mean, no. <laughs>
I, 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 I tee you up. It, it's your opportunity to nail your post thing out of the park. Uh, and you just said, yeah, I'm ever so boring. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want to start that again, Wayne? Uh, I don't mind. Uh, and Wayne Lithgow. Thank I'm going to leave much. this all in, by the way. So, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah. So, You're so, putting him over, Bob. Oh, well, I'm trying. Uh, Wayne Lithgow. Thank you very much, Bob. Uh, you are on Twitter? I am. The ever so boring. We're now 84. Very good, very good indeed. Uh, that wraps up uh, this month's Volume 2. Uh, volume 3 is ECW, Volume 1 is WCW. That's probably going to be the way we do it going forward, given that WWF and WCW have basically got pay-per-views every month between now and 2001. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bobby Bamber. You can find the project on Twitter at Wrestling20YRS. We are on uh, our website, Wrestling20YRS.com, on Facebook.com, forward slash wrestling 20 YRS. We're on iTunes. There's a rating and review, uh, RSS feed. Uh, you can find links to our email newsletter on the website. They're basically in all of the articles and on the footer of the page. And I think that will do that. So until next time, I've been Bob Bamber. This has been Volume 2 of the May 1995 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>